Hey, basketball fans, the season won't be around forever, even if your team does make the playoffs. So get into all the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings giving new players a free shot at a million dollars in total prizes. You can claim your free shot at that million dollars just by using the code TBPN during sign-up. You play in daily fantasy basketball simple. You just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, see how your team does against you know your best friend or some random stranger from around the world. You can take their money. Either way, you can win by playing with DraftKings. You can feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, every steal, assist, they all mean a little bit more to you because, I mean, you, you're right there with DraftKings. You got money riding on it. And, hey, if you're baseball fans, Y'all might have missed out on the season-long fantasy, so, hey, y'all know we got you covered there, too. With DraftKings, your payday comes every day for players when you win, so what you waiting for? Head over, download the app now from your favorite store, download the DraftKings app, and use the code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at a million dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at a million dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions reply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hey guys, welcome to Protect the Nest. Today, you know, Pelicans fans, we got a special guest with us. We got the managing editor, director, GM, founder, creator, writer of Saints News on SI Now, co host of the Bayou Blitz podcast. Went to Morehouse, went to McDonald 35, Kyle T. Mosley. Welcome to the Nest. Thanks for coming on. I know you're having a busy day, but thanks for, again, talking Pelicans and Saints with us. Oh, let, let's do it. Mr. Dobson, let's do it, man. I'm, I'm pretty geek. Uh, Pelicans, yeah. We got to look at uh, trying to finishing some games, right? So, let's see. Let's Let, talk. Yeah, let's see how they finish the season. Let's see how they finish the season. Uh, sometimes they got to finish a game just by paying attention in the in the in the in the huddle. But just to start off on here, we usually a Pelicans Pelicans podcast, but you're the resident expert on the Saints. We'll cover them. You cover the if you cover a New Orleans team, you got to have thoughts on the Pelicans have done this season. You just touched on it. How did you think this team shaped up the coaching staff over the last year? And where do you, where do you, how do you feel about the team going forward in the last few weeks of the season? Well, it's promising. Uh, you have the good young talent, Ingram, as well as, of course, Zion, right? Uh, I think what the Pelicans are really missing, and Jackson, I can't forget about him. Yeah, I love Jackson. Yeah, they're, they're missing some leadership, man. And a lot of people don't take enough emphasis in, in deciding who's going to be that distributor, right? And I think Ball, I thought he was progressing to that uh, to that length to be able to come in and be able to to really do well, but I mean, he uh, hasn't matured or evolved into that position the way many have uh, wanted him to do so, but you know, Zion is going to be Zion. I think the young man has really proved that uh, he deserved to be the number one overall pick for the Pelicans. Um, he's on, only going to have a greater upside to him, right? So I think the Pelicans really need to look at bringing in a leader at point guard or probably another veteran at uh, forward, uh, a good a veteran shooting guard as well 
so they can be able to create some depth on the team. Yeah, they definitely need a point guard to me. You can't make it in this league if all your point guards are on their first contract. Even if it's point Zion, he's on his first contract. His handles are slacking. They need somebody to come in. I've seen D. Rose mentioned as a, as a nice filler option if we can, say, keep Najee Marshall and Josh Hart, but Bledsoe and Ball have to go. They'd like to see D. Rose in. Are there, are there any free agents you would like to see in New Orleans? Maybe a favorite player you've just always wanted to see in a New Orleans uniform. Man, that's kind of hard right now. I, I don't really think... God, D. Rose is probably the best possible case right now, but I always have to really think about who has the better production, who's been a part of a championship team, who can be able to come in and help them to get to the playoffs and get over that hump. And uh, I haven't given it much thought, but if I'm going to be the general manager of the Pelicans and executives, uh, just like the Saints front office, what they usually do, they look at a player's production, what they're able to do, the quality of the player, and how that player responds in big-time situations as well. So that's the type of person you need to have. And I have to go back, when I was growing up, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, those guys, they were big-time performers in college, in high school. When the game was on the line, those guys wanted the ball, right? That's the type of guy, other than just having um, Zion be that type of person, you want multiple guys on your team. You need at least three of those guys who understand that if I need to take that shot, I'm one of those guys that will take the shot. I'm the guy that's going to handle the ball and be able to create something for the other offensive players. If it's, uh, you know, a, a, a clock winding down, you got to make a big shot. But I'm going to handle the ball. So that's what I think the Pelicans are missing. And they just need to be able to find the right person that fits within their chemistry and within uh, Van Gundy's system. Well, you talk about finding the right player in person. Uh, we got the NFL draft coming up, but we've also got the last 12, 15 games of the Pelican season for the NBA season because I don't see them making the playoffs at this rate. They're, they're too far back. How do you feel about this front office as far as evaluating talent, both from the draft and evaluating in-house talent? They just brought in Didi, uh, Gigi Luzada, but we had Christian Wood and Julius Randle in-house, and I think it, we either evaluated them poorly or maybe mismanaged our finances because those are two players that – this team had a good look at, and if they wanted to find players, they look like players that should have been on board, and they're not. How do you feel about that that evaluation period on both ends? Yeah, I, I want to kind of pause on giving any criticism to those guys at the moment uh, as far as the front office is concerned. Haven't had a chance to really evaluate what they're doing, but I can tell you this much. Randall has always been one of the guys that you really have to say, if it were not for injuries or some nicks and bruises here and there, he was always going to be a, a really pretty good player. And he proved that when he had the playing time, and he's proven it this season, right? So I think the Pelicans did a disservice to Gentry, and they really didn't really put the, the right type of veteran leadership that they needed uh, for him 
to be able to field a team. And you saw how valuable Rondo was when he was a part of the team, right? And that's what really got Anthony Davis and Rondo and those guys and uh, Holiday to to the uh, the playoffs. But since then, man, it, it's been a struggle. So I just think they need to find the right veteran mix and uh, a, a true leader to help them out. Right, and we can talk about what ifs. Rondo was huge, but that Boogie Cousin chasing that free throw is the biggest what if of the Pelicans franchise to me. Because if he hadn't chased that free throw, I think they win a playoff series that year. Or a year two. Yeah, yeah, that was a tremendous loss for the Pelicans. Uh, but it's just like in football, injuries are a part of the game. You still have to keep playing. And they had enough time to be able to find somebody that following year to be able to fill the shoes. And they just never really put the right person in place. All right. So for the last Pelicans question, we're going to get to some Saints. we got the draft and, and this Protecting Us podcast. We bring it on everything for New Orleans. What do you want to see for this team? Do you want to see them chase the playoffs, or do you want to see them evaluate the back end of the roster and all these draft picks uh, for these last ten games? Man, well, it's always exciting to go for the playoffs. You don't play the game not to try to get to the dance, right? You always want a, an opportunity to uh, be in the dance and try to make uh, a name for yourself. And I'll put some fear into those guys for next season. So if the Pelicans can do what they can and what I believe they still have the opportunity to do, I, I still believe that, let's say you say they have 15 games left, if the Pelicans are able to able to put together a good streak, win 10 out of those uh, 15. I know it's a hope, but it still is a capability. Every time that uh, before the game is 0-0, right, you just got to make sure you are on top of the other team. And I think those guys have the ability. They just have not finished games well. And uh, it's a learning experience, but they have to be able to fight through it. Can they do it? We shall see. Right. I don't see them going 10-15 in the last 15. On my notes, they got 13 games left. They're four and a half back. They play Golden State three times, so they have to they have to beat Golden State and hope for a little bit of help. It is possible. I want to see it happen, but I don't want to see them trotting out Zion and Ingram 40 minutes to chase that last spot when we really need to see if Kyra Lewis Jr. and Nikhil Alexander-Walker's out. But, you know, we're, we're seeing how much he was – meant to this team now that he's not in the team so i want to see a few of these other back end of the rotation players get some get some time and if we make it we make it and if not we learn well, more for next season you know that yeah yeah well you know that's one of those iffy questions you have an old fiery guy like van gundy right i don't think he's going to really sit well not trying to push those guys to make the playoffs now he'll right. pu- he'll push them. The players want to make it. The front office is different. Stan Van Gundy won't go full Tom Thibodeau. He's not going to play all the starters forty two minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we'll, yeah. It, it'll Good be point. a delicate balance. It'll be a delicate balance. But next year will be the time when the expectations are really crushing. You got to be in the playoffs, or there's going to be some some jobs on the line. Would you agree with that? Good point. Yep. I, I do agree with that. Yes. All right. So going into the last five minutes, let's switch to the Saints. To switch the teams, let's let you play GM for the Saints. And how would you want to see this team build into the NFL draft going into training camps? This is a whole new leaf without Drew Brees. 
but this is still a division winning team. This team is still there. They they should have Super Bowl aspirations. Am I am I wrong? Well, again, Sean Payton doesn't coach to just win a couple of games. He coached to win it all. That's his goal every season, right? Uh, if you listen to what general manager Mickey Loomis talked about today in his pre-draft press conference, the goal hasn't changed for the New Orleans Saints. They want to be uh, perennial winners in this league. And the way you can do that is to keep getting the talent, keep getting the best coaching staff to help you out. And uh, right now the Saints have one of the top coaches in all of football in Sean Payton. So I, I think the Saints are a playoff contender. How well they will come together the first few games of the season under new leadership, if it's uh, Taysom or if it's Winston, either way, you you got a whole new system. And Sean Payton is going to coach either Hill or Winston the way those guys are going to utilize their strength. So, so if you know, you don't have Drew Brees out there who who knows the playbook front, back, side to side, but you have a guy in Winston who has the talent, the skills, the ability to be able to come in and, and throw the ball. But I think Winston has matured, especially the year under Brees, to see it's not about just making the big play, but making sure you make the plays that count and you take the ball down the field in the, in methodical way. That's what the Saints are good for. I think uh, Hill, he's going to have his opportunity to earn the, the starting spot, right? The, still, the challenge with Hill is that sometimes he's indecisive. He's not, uh, he doesn't commit to the pass as fast as you would like, but can he be able to evolve his game to uh, that level this this year? We shall see as well. But man, the Saints have the opportunity. They have the talent. Uh, they got. They still need to fill a couple of holes. Mickey Loomis said today he doesn't believe we have holes, <laughs> but uh, he he believes that we just have to go back, find the right people, put them in place, and. The rest is going to be up to the Saints coaching staff to bring them along. Right. I don't think the QB position will be the reason this team, this deep, deep team with no holes, as he said, will not get to a Super Bowl. I actually think that having two quarterbacks like Hill and Winston will help. How do you feel about the 17th game, how this roster and coaching staff can navigate the stresses of the new schedule? And could two QBs actually help in some way to keep the offense fresh while other teams are either off balance on defense or easier to scout on offense? That's a really good question. I still believe that possibly another veteran quarterback may be a part of the mix if the Saints do not select a quarterback in probably the later rounds of the, this draft coming up on tomorrow. But I really think... I kind of pause there as well because I don't think it's going to be about a two-quarterback system. It's going to be still kind of the way Sean Payton ran it with Drew Brees and Taysom Hill. 
if Taysom does not win that game, I mean that starting spot, expect to see him in some of those plays where he helps to put the, you know, where they need some speed or they need something to be off schedule to help the team out, right? So I think that system is still going to be in play. But as far as saying the, the quarterback position is not going to be the, the reason why the Saints win or lose, I have to agree. It has to start with the offensive line, defensive linemen. Uh, I think the availability of a couple of the offensive linemen like uh, Andrews Pete, for instance, is still a concern. You know, he gets injured. He hasn't played a full season yet. Neither has Teron Armstead. But, you know, last year it was only because of COVID-19 that Armstead hadn't been able to, you know, get on the field all 16 games. Other than that, he had a fabulous year, you know. So I would like to see the Saints go ahead and get the, the, the cornerback that they need uh, I think they also need some linebacking help. Of course, Quan Alexander, to get him back into the fold, he's looking great with Dr. Reef uh, out in Miami, Florida, going through his rehab. But I still believe that Alexander, you pair him up with a young guy and possibly another veteran, they need to have some speed in that linebacking core, right? And uh, you look at what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers linebackers with uh, David as well as White did. You have to know, you have to know that you're dealing with faster tight ends, you faster running backs, and faster wide receivers that may be coming off over the middle. So those guys have to be there to cover them, right? So I think we just need to key in on some of those guys. Probably in second round, Jabril Cox is one guy they have had their eye on. Uh, during the draft process. Uh, will he be available at 60? I don't know. But I think the Saints are going to be major players in jumping up into the draft. Uh, they've already expressed their interest in Caleb Farley. Uh, I know there's been some injury concerns with him, right? Uh, the, the back injury, the two surgeries, that's a lot of pause. And now he has COVID-19. He won't be able to attend the NFL draft. But if Sean Payton really likes uh, somebody, he's going to go and get the guy. Uh, I know a lot of people say, oh, that's Mickey Loomis. No, Sean Payton's making that call. He wants his player. It's just like Bill Parcells used to say, if you want me to cook the dinner, give me the – Let me buy the groceries. Let me buy the groceries. Yeah, let me buy the groceries. Don't, don't tell me what I need to – to do you know so um but that i think that's going to be the key for the new orleans saints in this draft well man i appreciate you taking your time giving us the insight on the pelicans and the saints here it's protecting us we always try and uh, lift all the voices let, let people know hey you, you graduated you was right here in new orleans looking at say anthony young anthony Rhodes, who i put in my forbes article how, how how can people find you one on social media? How can they follow your work? And what advice would you give about about your you'll you'll rise up to where you at today and getting to cover the Saints and the hometown team from from a kid that was just dressing up and playing ball in the yard? Man, that's a deep question, man. Um, all right, let me kind of reverse engineer it. First of all, I 
Uh, I'm born and raised in New Orleans. Attended McDonald 35 High School. Attended uh, Morehouse. Graduated from Morehouse with a bachelor's in chemistry. And uh, after working three years at a major petrochemical company, I found out I hated <laughs> being a chemist. <laughs> so um, I, I've been in sales for a number of years, man, and uh, executive recruiting. So I started Saints News Network based upon wanting to give a fan's perspective uh, to the Saints Nation. And at that time, it was only Saints reports and NOLA.com that had most of the forums out there, right? And a lot of people saying, what's a forum? <laughs> you know, that's a forum uh, where you just post whatever you want. So there weren't any blogs out. So I started DeuceandReggie.com and when Deuce and uh, when Reggie Bush was the number one overall draft choice for the Saints in 2006 and uh, Canal Street Chronicles, those guys, uh, what's his name, Pete or Dave, they started at the same time. And um, it was just trying to give a very a voice to the nation, right? Uh, the who that nation. And uh, then it kind of evolved from there, man. Uh, the podcasting thing for the internet was new to everybody, but I saw people doing these celebrity blogs here and there in podcasts. I, I said, well, shoot, let me do it. Got the equipment. It was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible when we first started, man. But I mean, I interviewed, uh, I think Danny Clark was my first Saints player, and he was with us for several shows. And we snapped, crackled, and popped through it all, you know, but we learned and we grew. So if you are an aspiring journalist or a fan who believes you have the talent and the ability to articulate to other fans out there, about the New Orleans Saints or whoever it is that you follow, follow your dream and passion, but also learn. Learn, learn, learn. Talk to guys who've been in the industry. Talk to writers. Talk to journalists. Make mistakes. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. <clears throat> and I think that's how we grew. We had five podcasts going on at the same time catering to the NFL and New Orleans Saints. That was the first that I knew of in the Who That Nation to have five consecutive shows for several years delivering content, right? So, I, I, you, you just gotta pick, you gotta be like Henry Ford too. Pick some smarter people to be around you, to help you grow, to help you be able to uh, get the message out and people who are excited about and passionate about what you're doing and you can be successful. Well, man, I think this podcast was a great success. I appreciate you coming on. I hope we can have you on again a few weeks once the Pelican season over, once the, the Saints start taking shape. I know you, you're a busy man. I see you working in the Zoom call. I, again, can't thank you enough for coming on. I appreciate your work. Been following for a while now as a Saints fan. And, thank you. hey, I'm going to learn a lot just as my first couple of years down here writing, writing on the team. So, you see, I, I got my little microphone. And it's going to sound terrible for the first little bit, but we, we grow it. I appreciate that. Well, well, let me ask you one question back at you. 
why do you why did you fall in love with the Saints and why are you doing what you're doing? I fell in love with the Saints because my grandpa took me to a game when I was literally two weeks old and grandma and mom was going crazy and I got all my Bobby Abear stuff in the back. It was just what I grew up with. The reason I come yeah. to the Pelicans and have been doing all these coaching interviews with Coach Rory, Coach Dumas, Coach Micah, and stuff like that is looking at the, the other side. Too many people see the players, especially if you write for a place like Forbes, they see the players as betting commodities. They play, see them as their contract more than anything else. And if you see where they come from and the coaches that brought them there, like Coach Rory, again, Coach Dumas, the guys that are doing the open runs in New Orleans this year, if you show more of the players as people and how they got there, I think part of that process, everyone can profit from that in a way that you can if you're just writing for the dollars and the clickbait. And that's why I, with this podcast, again, I don't look at the X's and O's even when I write or podcast. I'm looking at the stories, the questions asking you how you got there and how you could bring other people with you. And it, to me, that to, that's all that matters in this world, no matter what you're writing on, whether it be the politics I come from or the Pelicans and Saints stuff I'm doing now. Got you. Look, keep doing what you're doing. Get to know as many people, network as well. Uh, I think the best thing you can do is build relationships. If you're able to build relationships, you build a good, solid foundation. Uh, I've seen so many young guys come into trying to do a podcast or trying to write and tear people down and criticize and destroy their potential relationships down the line because you never know in a couple of years if you're going to come back full circle to be, be in front of that person or need that person for an interview or whatever. So just just keep doing what you're doing. Get to know as many people and you're going to be successful, man. Okay? Hey, man, I appreciate that. I, it feels like a success just being able to enjoy the sunshine and COVID. It's getting to go see games, stuff like that. You look at the positives in that. Like COVID, really, if you want to look at the positives and, and me to end on that real quick, it gave us time to podcast and create networks and, and connections and reach out and just take a moment to see what you're going to say instead of just always being in the rush of it all, if that makes sense. It does. It does. But, you know, one thing that uh, Mike Dettelier is a mentor. Um, Rick Gailey, he passed away a couple of years ago. Those guys kind of took a guy like me under their wings and uh, gave me an opportunity to have a voice and understand the inner workings of a team or the inner workings of football teams and things of that nature. So try to, whatever you're going to do, craft yourself to understand how people think, how these the philosophy of these teams are, then you can be able to write better content out there that's not cookie-cutter like everyone else, right? Right, right, right. You see power rankings everywhere in the same little basic breakdowns. One thing I enjoyed looking at it from the, the Forbes part, not saying power rankings are, you know, cheap, but it, it, there, there's a lot of things that a lot of people are doing. And I've liked to study David Griffin and the way he's approached things more than Stan Van Gundy and Gentry. And that's kind of given me, look at how he traded Drew to Milwaukee. They were the most desperate team, and he extracted the most leverage. And they were kind of a sleeper in that negotiation going into that offseason. So looking at how he, he's played with that has been very interesting it, it, just in general. But, again, yeah, yeah. I see, I see you, you, you look parked. You look like you, you, you're about to go get on with the rest of your day. Am I wrong there? Just waiting for my son to come 
Oh. School, sir. That's about it. Uh, but other than that, I mean, anything about Pelicans, Saints, anything about professional sports, I'm all for it. Let's have a good one. Hey. And uh, if you need to have me on in the future, hey, hit me up. And always, you're welcome to join us on the Bayou Blitz. Uh, so you can follow us on Twitter. You did ask about that. You can follow us on Twitter at Saints News, Facebook as well, as well as Instagram at Saints News. You can follow me at K-T-M-O-Z-E, that's K-T-M-O-Z on Twitter. Um, and my guys, I have John Hendricks, Bob Rose, Brendan Borland, and Mike Dettelier is a contributor of ours also at the Saints News Network on Sports Illustrated. Hey, man, definitely love the work. Again, COVID gave me time to check y'all out because John Hendricks used to be over at Forbes, and I kind of followed him over and seen how they were growing the Saints, uh, you know, just, just how they were handling the coverage. And that's how I stumbled yeah. on y'all. Would love to come on by you, Blitz. Again, appreciate you coming on a Protect the Nest podcast. Protect that nest with the sun. Make sure he buckles up. Y'all have a good one out there, huh? All right, thank you. Take care. 